Hello, and welcome to the Aquarius Podcast, your source for interviews with people from all across the tropical fish keeping hobby. I'm your host, Randy Reed. Please subscribe and check out all previous episodes on Podbean, Stitcher, Google Play, iTunes, or AquarisPodcast.com. You can also check out additional content by following the Aquarius Podcast Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter accounts. If you like what you hear, please rate and leave a review for the show. Enjoy the interview. Today's date is Wednesday, August 29th, 2018. My guest today is Ricardo Camera. Ricardo is a founding member of the Greater Austin Aquarium Society, currently serving as a de facto leader. Ricardo has recently been named as the editor for the Cares Exchange, a quarterly newsletter. Ricardo is also a member of the American Cichlid Association, Hill Country Cichlid Club, and an administrator for the Texas Fish Keepers Facebook group. So Ricardo, welcome to the Aquarius Podcast. Well, thanks, Randy. Uh, with that introduction, I already feel better about myself. <laughs> As you should, man. You're uh, you're definitely out there and, and very active in the hobby. Um, I can only imagine that you've made quite a few connections just from being a, a member of ACA, um, Hill Country Cichlid Club. I mean, I know that you know Greg Steves, and you've had him come speak at, at the uh, Greater Austin Aquarium Society. Um, so yeah, definitely, you should you should feel very good about all that all that stuff and being named the uh, the Cares Exchange. Uh, editor, that's pretty cool. Yeah, that's quite an honor. I'm I'm really happy about that and excited to see what we can do with that. All right, so we talked about that bio, right? So we kind of built up, and you're feeling good about yourself. So help us understand um, who Ricardo Camera is in the tropical fish hobby. When did you get your start? How did you get your start? Walk me through it. Well, I'm glad you added that part about in the uh, tropical fish hobby because I thought I was going to have to get existential about who I am. We can do that but too. That. <laughs> Maybe for another show. Um, so basically, um, you want me to talk about my origin story, uh, how I got uh, started in uh, fish keeping? Absolutely. Yeah, well, um, I owe it all to my uh, my lovely wife. Um, I'll take you back a couple years. I, I've been a, a fish keeper for about two and a half years. And when you only have like a few years experience, you got to add in the fractional amounts. Uh, so, you know, some people might say 18 years, but I've been in for two and a half years. And you're lucky I'm not counting it in months. Um, but basically, uh, I was in a, I was in, I, I think maybe it was a midlife crisis. I was in a transitional uh, stage of my life. And um, I was uh, looking for new hobbies. I was uh, trying to make healthier choices and going out and camping and, you know, hiking and stuff like that. And, and my wife suggested fish keeping. Um, and uh, she uh, ended up helping me or buying a tank for me, like a, an eight-gallon tank on Father's Day in 2016. And that really, um, she probably thought that was going to be it. Uh, <laughs> but much to her surprise, that that's not the end of this story. Yeah, I was going to um, say, so she totally opened up Pandora's box then. Um, I mean, to the point where, you know, you've progressed in two and a half years, and now you're on a on a fish podcast being interviewed with a complete stranger. Uh, and I will say, yeah. I will say before I turn it back over to you so far, I'm already very, very intrigued because, you know, your story breaks the mold of, you know, what my story is and what many other fish keepers, you know, that start very, very young at a very early age, um, you know, and it's typically like a parent that has a community tank and it's, you know, whatever tropical flavor of Thunderdome and various mixed, uh, mixed aquarium, you know, creatures in there. And so it's really cool. 
Um, now that you are so recently into the hobby, just two and a half years ago on Father's Day, and your wife opened up Pandora's box, so that's kind of awesome. So I'll go ahead and uh, flip it back over to you. Yeah, um, uh, to be fair, you know, some of my first few tanks were certainly that uh, that Pandora's box, that uh, disaster of a fish that looked good to the eye, but uh, should never be in a tank together. But um, as far as uh, having family that was into fish keeping, we never uh, we never had a tank in the house. I have heard tell that my dad kept Oscars in the '60s in Brooklyn, and uh, I find that interesting. My uh, my grandfather in um, Italy used to keep songbirds, and I remember visiting him in Rome, and he would have all these cages of songbirds on his uh, balcony. But I don't remember ever being really that uh, that intrigued by them. And so it's really not until later in life that I started to uh, really get in touch with, uh, with nature and, and uh, animals and pets. And uh, I really blossomed at a, at a late age. So you start with the eight-gallon tank. I mean, if you wouldn't mind, I mean, this is kind of uh, to understand your progression and the lessons that you learned. Um, you know, what what did you put in that eight-gallon, and then how did your, you know, glass box armada expand from there? Well, I mean, Randy, you're, you're really going to have me uh, kicked out of the hobby with this conversation, but uh, I had a, it was a, a eight-gallon, um, one of those Fluval uh, seamless tanks, and um, I, I, I don't even, it, it came, it came with fish. Like the tank was almost empty and it, it came with some pygmy quarries, which had to be the toughest fish ever on earth because they survived all kinds of conditions. And then I had endlers in there and, and guppies. So the traditional story, uh, live bears, right? Um, and live bears, a lot of it was because uh, an Oscar was, you know, six ninety nine. And that sounded ridiculous to my wife and I at the time to buy a fish that was over two dollars. So um, yeah, I, that tank uh, probably had a couple quarries in it and and some handlers, and uh, the bio load was through the roof. And and my first uh, experience with trouble in, in fish keeping was a, a horrible cyanobacteria outbreak in that tank that uh, covered that tank, and that drove me to Google right away. But um, to follow that tank, we really sort of built up, uh, uh, like you said, an armada quite quick. Um, there was, you know, the 10 gallons. We, we learned about the Petco dollar gallon sale. And for the first uh, three months of my fish keeping career, I want to say that my wife and I were at Petco and, and PetSmart or any of the big box places almost every night. And it, it was so bad that... Um, we uh, had to go to different ones just uh, not to be embarrassed, not to be seen as hoarders. It really so the funny thing about going to Petco on the dollar a gallon sale. I mean, when you get one tank, right? Like you know, maybe the person will ask, "Oh, what are you putting in there?" And you know, or or they may not even ask that question at all. But the moment you put more than one tank in those tiny, terrible PetSmart or Petco carts, and then if you even take it a step further and ask to borrow their push cart, right? Like the uh, you know the flatbed style cart that they use to move around uh, inventory in the store. Like the moment you ask for that and you start stacking tanks, it's it's like you're 
you're the craziest person out there, you might as well buy, you know, 10 ferrets and a couple red ear sliders at the same time. Like they may think that's more normal than buying, you know, four tanks or anything more than, you know, two tanks at the same time. So I I can definitely feel you on that as far as kind of that embarrassment Uh, factor. It was really bad. There were, there were a couple of stories out of that. One was that uh, there was a manager that used to, to call us um, when there was a dollar per gallon sale, and he was just pounding us to come get tanks because he, he knew we couldn't help ourselves. So kind of like more uh, nefarious people in, in uh, <laughs> some of our uh, urban centers. But um, the other story is that I... Uh, we one day we had decided we were going to go big and maybe we had a 20 gallon or something and and we bought the tank and the fish together and wow was that a a, a tough night as we were trying to check out and they were saying you're not going to put all these fish in this tank and i'm sort of grinning and burying my teeth you know we got eight tanks so we're going to be okay i'm a professional <laughs> and uh so I sort of had to be, uh, you know, not 100% upfront with the, uh, you know, the uh, big box store cashier, and uh, that didn't end well. They were right, and uh, a new fish keeper should always heed that advice. Don't load up your tanks without cycling them, no matter how good you are. So your wife, as she's going along with you on this journey, I mean, is it, it sounds like she's almost as excited as you are to expand out the number of tanks. I mean, is she, is she as afflicted in the hobby as you are at this point? Well, I, I think early on she, uh, she was, um, but she has just no idea of, of the bounds of my obsessiveness. And so she wasn't prepared for the, the full takeoff. And early on, she was being supportive. I found a hobby for him, and she enjoyed doing that part with me. But I think it would, it would never be fair to say that she had a passion for fish. Uh, she's just a very, very supportive uh, lady, and I'm very lucky to have her. Um, but we were newlyweds uh, pretty much at the time, and, and she was just helping me uh, go on to another phase of my life. Awesome. So now, you know... Well, anyway, we could talk about now in a little bit. Yeah, so I want to know, uh, so that that's, you know, super awesome of your wife that she's being so supportive of you in this. Uh, my wife is being supportive by not pestering me anymore. I guess that's her level of support, <laughs> which I'll take <laughs> it. Uh, maybe one day I'll have her out collecting fish with me or, or something of that nature, but we'll see. Uh, but no, she, she's being great. Uh, talk about, I guess... What uh, what was drawing your interest in terms of the types of fish? Um, so we know by your bio that you're a cichlid guy, or at least you know cichlids make up a good, probably a good portion of your fish room. Um, but you know, starting with pandacories, um, endlers, so kind of the standard fare, which nothing wrong with that standard fare. Um, what were your interests, you know, and how have they evolved over these two and a half years? Um, you know, it's it's. Uh, it's funny because um, I swore I would never be a sickly guy at one point, maybe uh, four or five months into the hobby when I was sure that I knew everything there was to know about fish keeping. Um, I didn't want to be a sickly so guy. Why? Why didn't but, you want to be uh, a sickly guy? <laughs> well, I don't know. It just uh, it seemed to me that sickles uh, uh, were, were mean and they weren't as... I, I don't know what my perception was of it. But it seemed like a, a, a group of fish keepers that it would be hard to break into, right? 
And um, I was just happy along with my guramis. And it, it all started out with, uh, with pretty fish. And um, I, uh, and not to say that cichlids aren't pretty, obviously I adore them now, but um, it took uh, a long time to, to enjoy other uh, facets, facets of fish keeping. And I, I think that uh, can be attributed to the fact that as, you, uh, as you're early into fish keeping, you don't have time to see fish mature. So the oldest fish you may have in your tank is, or your tanks, as the case was, um, would be a four-month-old fish. And really, until fish uh, mature sexually and start displaying behaviors, uh, you don't get a full grasp of, of what fish keeping is, I think, my opinion. Okay, so four, you know, four and a half, five months in, you're saying you're not going to be a cichlid guy. You've got garamis and some other, you know, pretty, I would assume, readily available fish in the hobby. Um, where do you go from there in terms of what your tastes are? Yeah, so and, and a lot of it is exposure to fish. So then I thought, well, the only place you could uh, uh, go get a fish was at a big box store. But then I started to discover uh, my local fish stores. So here in Austin, I'm just going to start plugging away. We have River City Aquatics by me, and um, that was probably the first serious fish store that that I got into, and I got to see uh, a wide variety of fish, and uh, and that's when I really uh, really started getting into it. I, I think um, one of my first purchases was a, a wild caught pair of uh, platinum acaras, and I only bought two, but I, I wanted to breed them or wanted to see that uh, that behavior and um now whereas i might buy six or ten <laughs> i bought plenty up and bought two and uh and they uh they bred for me and it was just it was great that that was i guess i think probably a turning point and a real eye-opening experience was watching uh two cichlids uh court each other and then and then have uh and then spawn Oh, very and then cool. Raise yeah, and so you know, so at least there's still that kind of common thread where you're into the hobby, um, but you really get hooked when you when you start breeding, right? And so for, again, for a lot of people, it's the live bear, it's it's seeing the guppies um, give birth. But for you though, it's those platinum acaras um, and seeing kind of that you know creation of life happen and just how you know so cool it is when when you can successfully get your fish to breed and 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 have offspring um so very cool so yeah. so what does your what does your fish room now look like i mean in terms of you know what are you keeping uh, maybe some some highlights on some of the species and then just kind of like a raw count of the number of tanks that you have sure um uh the the raw count i'll go ahead and start that i i think we're at 40 right now so i'm maintaining 40 tanks now a good portion of those are 10 gallons and a 10 gallon rack and i'm certainly not at the 100 tank stage and i'm also not in the uh i gotta hide the actual number stage which i think is perhaps a common thread in amongst the cichlid clubs and in our aquarium clubs some people just never say how many tanks they have and uh it's because they have rooms full of tanks but uh yes i have 40 tanks um, my, my fish room is, is comprised pretty much of our, our living room and my garage and, uh, you know, never expanding portion of the garage, which, uh, you know, I have to fight tooth and nail for as <laughs> we, uh, reallocate room to the fish room. But, um, the makeup of it is, I, uh, I guess I'm, 
I, I have what I like to call my show tanks, and the the show tanks are are in my living room. They're larger tanks, and they're all themed. I have a, a rainbow, a planted rainbow tank. I really love rainbows. Um, I have uh, Victorians. Uh, a uh, one species Victorian tank of a, a fish that that Greg is really fond of. It's a Indipia crossbar. Um, so this is a probably uh, probably extinct in the wild, uh, uh, haplochromine from Lake Victoria. And I uh, keep Imbunas. I have an Imbuna tank. Uh, I have a peacock and hap uh, predator tank, and um, I have an Acara tank with a threadfin Acara. I also have discus, so I, I move around from continent to continent, but never the two shall mix. In my uh, hatchery, so to speak, or my nursery, I have grow-out tanks of various sizes. I have breeding setups with uh, peacocks and haps, and, and I also dedicate some of my smaller tanks to, to killifish and, and different things like that, so I have some Madagascar killifish, and, and of course, I'd be remiss to say if um, if I didn't mention that I try to keep a whole bunch of care species because um, that appeals to me greatly too. Yeah, very cool. I mean, that is, that is so awesome to kind of walk with you on this abbreviated, you know, two and a half year journey of, you know, humble beginnings with that, with that seamless flu vol uh, to where you are now, where you've got themed by continent, kind of by, by type of fish uh, for display show tanks. I've seen a couple of your postings on social media, beautiful tanks, um, you know, really, really well done. Uh, and then to hear that you've got your ever expanding, um, you know, breeding operation, your, your, your fry room, if you will, where, you know, you're, you're growing out things like the killifish and, and various cichlids as well. So, I mean, that's, that's fantastic that you would share that journey with us, Ricardo. So I'm definitely very grateful. Um, so then I'm, I'm kind of going to give you a little layup question here. So you're doing all this breeding. What are you doing with your fry? <laughs> well, the fry got to go somewhere. Um, I do take a lot to auction, but, um, I do also, uh, sell them locally, and I do ship. Um, the uh, the name of the operation, if you will, is is fishuation. So that's like a like a situation. Like we got a real situation here, but we have a fishuation. And um, my website's fishuation.com, but uh, most uh, often you're going to find me on Facebook. Uh, I also have a, a page there for fishuation, and. Um, Anyone that wants to email me and talk fish can always email me at fish at fishuation.com. Very cool, and we'll make I hope sure that wasn't too much of a plug. Oh really no, man, no, you, you, you need. <laughs> no, I mean, you're, you're spending time, you're sharing your story with the listeners. Uh, you know, I really hope that there's people maybe in the in the greater Austin area or you know wherever you're willing to ship to that uh, are interested in your story and want to see what you have available, and you know maybe they're able to make a connection and and get us get a fish from you, right? I mean, you're coming on, you're spending time with us, so it's only fair that if you do have something that that you're doing um, in this hobby, you should be able to plug that not feel guilty about it at all so um i, I, I do love spreading fish around it's like spreading joy <laughs> there you go now the, the the important question is for the fishuation do you have swag do you have stickers and do you have t-shirts that sounds like something i should do but um is there a logo we are is there a logo there's a logo that i made okay. if you're offering to make me okay. one i mean 
No, no, no. no. As, long, as long as there's a logo, uh, like, I made it. It's it's very important. You gotta you gotta have the logo. So, uh, but you gotta promise me though. The moment you start printing out stickers, you gotta send me one so I can put it on my uh, friends of the podcast fish rack collection or the uh, fish rack sticker collection I've got going on. Well, for sure, I envision a, a greater Austin Aquarium Society sticker or shirt in your future before that. Ah, there and you those, go. We have a very beautiful logo there, uh, that someone designed for us. The only problem with uh, the Austin Aquarium Society is I may goof up the acronym, so G-A-A-S uh, versus, you know, the club I belong to, which is the Greater Seattle Aquarium Society, and uh, so G-S-A-S, um, and that actually... Yeah, it- so, so it would help you to realize that I was trying to be funny in our acronym is gas you can't you can't do that with yours so you know it works um, hey i'm i'm okay with it (laughs) i like it (laughs) no it it seems like the common thread out there is you know and obviously the the seattle aquarium society falls into this is that you know we are we are societies right we're societies of fish keepers so we kind of have to we kind of have to keep with keep that in the title of the club so um no no worries at all and so I feel like that is, a, that is a fantastic segue into, you know, what we want to talk about tonight, or at least part of what we want to talk about tonight, and that's, that is the Greater Austin Aquarium Society, um, and talk about how, you know, you are a founding member of it and kind of a de facto leader for the club. So why don't you just unpack, you know, what GAAS is, GAS is, um, and how it got started. Sure. Um, I, I think to to get to that point, we'll have to talk a little bit about um, some prehistory, and and that was how I got into aquarium clubs to begin with, and uh, and really that's what expanded my passion for fish keeping. Uh, apart from watching my fish breed, <laughs> which is uh, you know a little awkward to say, but um, going to uh, and, and seeing an aquarium club in action. Uh, really uh, changed my life as far as fish fishing. It was a, an eye-opener, and, and I owe that all to uh, the Hill Country Sacred Club, um, which is which is a great club uh, south of us, or south of me, not you, also south of you. But um, it's about, uh, I don't know, 100 miles from my house, and I uh, religiously travel to all their shows, and they've been uh, very, very uh, uh, good to me there. And I've made a lot of friends. So uh, going to see them in action is really what what spurred, you know, um, my desire to make, to replicate something like that here and uh, here in Austin, Texas. Awesome that you got your start and, you know, you really saw how uh, great it is to, to be a part of a fish club. I mean, one of the, the tenets of this show would be to encourage people to join the fish club at every opportunity that, that I can. Um, you know, one of the angles that I always push is you can get a great selection, great prices on items that are up for auction from other members. Um, that's always one great way. But I mean, fundamentally, though, just being able to meet uh, with other fish nerds, right, and be able to make these connections and hear guest speakers and just really nerd out for, you know, an hour or two hours, however long your fish club meets for on a monthly basis um, on fish. And, it, and it's an experience that you will not get on a forum, and it's an experience that you will not get watching a thousand YouTube videos uh, in, you know, in a month's time. Like, you just need to go in person, um, in, in, even if you're a wallflower, just to experience being in a fish club and seeing people so passionate about the hobby, um, you know, plants, inverts, fish. So super cool. 
Yeah, um, I, I, I definitely have to agree. Um, we have a little saying at, um, at, at uh, GAS, or the Greater Austin Aquarium Society. I'm going to go with the acronym. <laughs> we have a saying at GAS that uh, your friends don't really want to hear about your new fish. And that's basically it. There were only so many people that I directly, you know, around me that I could tell I wanted tank number 25. But as soon as I got to an aquarium club, that was the new normal. That was, that was okay. There were people that shared my passion, people that understood. And, um, and so I ended up at Hill Country Cichlid Club because I was looking for that type of, of interaction here in Austin, and we didn't really have a society. I, I, you know, I was at the point where I was going to pretty much all our local fish stores and, and chatting, you know, talking shop a bit. And, and trying to get uh, my finger on the pulse of the fish scene here. And it, it turned out that we had had a couple attempts uh, at some aquarium clubs. And, and in fact, I think the Hill Country Cichlid Club was in Austin for a bit uh, before they moved uh, down to San Antonio or Church, or there were two branches. There's a lot of history of which I'm not the best person to tell, tell all of it. But... Um, and so as it existed, when I came into the hobby, there, there was no fish club, and I wanted to uh, give, uh, give the city uh, the opportunity to, to have this club. So I figured I'd probably be the person to make that happen. After asking around a bit, and there didn't seem a ton of interest in making it happen, so, so I went and did that. Um, people have been really supportive once I uh, uh, got the ball rolling, and for that, I'm, I'm very grateful. So what did that look like? I mean, you know, trying to get that ball rolling, right? I mean, you're you're talking to these owners, you're talking shop, you're getting, you know, like you said, you're putting, trying to get your finger on the pulse of the aquarium scene um, in Austin, which I will say, I love Austin. I've been out there. Um, I've been out to visit, and it's a fantastic city. And I'm shocked that you guys didn't already have a, a strong aquarium club out there. Um, but what what was that like? Like your first meetings, and you know, how did you get people interested? Like how did how did you spread the word yeah well that that was the big question and um i don't want the uh the marine side of the hobby to get mad at me we do have a reef club but um they're only interested in saltwater tanks. yeah we don't we don't care <laughs> um, about them yeah, on this show yeah i was a freshwater person so um there were a lot of questions about how to go about getting this started uh you know i uh early on i, I felt uh, compelled to to bring all our local fish stores on board. Uh, I wanted them to be okay with the club. You know, there is some sort of conflict of interest with, with all the auctions, and, and there's only so much fish business in the town. And I didn't want them to think that this was a commercial venture, right? I, I wanted them to know that this was a, a not-for-profit, that I wanted them to be on board, um, that this was something they could support, and I wouldn't pick one store of a, over another. So it involved talking to uh, all the all the owners and, and just telling them what I wanted to do. I wanted to help people learn how to become better fish keepers and to exchange knowledge uh, through community. And um, also, I had it in my mind that we would talk a lot of conservation. And um, and luckily, we've achieved that goal. But uh, getting them off the ground, there's just the simple things you have to think of are where are we going to do it? Are we going to do it in the house? Is anyone going to come to the first meeting? How are we going to get the word out? Um, so I printed up flyers and, and put them all 
uh, and put them in all the stores since I was going around to all the stores. And, um, you know, I just sort of uh, uh, hoped and prayed and, and told my wife that no one was going to show up and, and that it was going to be an empty room with me and, and my speakers. Um, and I probably should talk about that, you know, um, how it happens, uh, how the event looks when, when it's organized. So we did, I did ask uh, one of the uh, local fish stores if they would host us. I felt they had enough room. And I felt we wouldn't fill it up. So uh, they did agree to uh, host our first meeting. And uh, that was a great support. They said, yeah, you know, anything to to stay uh, in touch with the community, we, we always want to be part of it. So my venue was uh, good to go. Uh, I had to line up some speakers. I, I feel pretty strongly that every uh, meeting, if possible, should have some sort of informational presentation. So uh, I figured the first one would be uh, not really a presentation, but a, a roundtable or a Q&A where people could ask questions of uh, more experienced aquarists and, and get help, sort of probably modeled a little bit after the, uh, the aquarium, aquarium co-op, um, you know, live YouTube events, when, which I used to watch as I was getting started out. Oh, very cool. And so how many people showed up to this first event? So, um, yeah, we went and we had rented like uh, 10 chairs or 15 chairs. I said, there's no way we're going to have more than five people. So uh, we'll get triple the amount of chairs. And it ended up it was standing room only. We had maybe 25 or 30 people there at the first meeting. Um, it really, really warmed my heart. Uh, everyone almost instantly got excited about the viability of a of an aquarium club in Austin. There were people who were starved. They'd been waiting. Like, you know, it, 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 there really was a lot of positive uh, response to it. And that's enabled us to, to keep going every month. Oh, that is fantastic. So very cool. And I, and I do want to go back to... Um, you know, the the point of potential conflict of, you know, the fish clubs, auctions um, versus kind of the, the store's business. And I, and I would say, you know, with a respectful challenge that it's only like that if we don't enlarge the pie, right? It's only like that if we don't encourage new people to come into the hobby and we don't encourage people that do get into the hobby to be successful. So, you know, if the stores are doing what they should do, um, you know, we can, we can give them, uh, you know, all the credit in the world, but Corey at Aquarium Co-op, when you um, make for an inviting place, when you inform, when you, when you not just entertain, but when you educate um, and you provide quality, you know, information, quality products, like the pie grows, right? Like it doesn't, it's not just the same 10 fish keepers that you're fighting for their dollars. Like you, you expand it, you grow the hobby and where we would normally lose people through attrition right like the the father you know goes to PetSmart, gets a 10 gallon throws a bunch of fish in there everything dies you know he did it for his kids and then they the family throws their hands up and they don't ever go back to it when we can inform and educate that family they're going to be successful and they may add one or two more tanks right they're going to buy more fish so you know again it's a it's a respectful challenge to that kind of mindset of you know there's only so much to go around well there is if we don't try to work together and to grow the hobby and get more people involved so i you know and i accept that point it's it's a very valid point right good fish uh, stores survive local clubs uh but i i do want to um i would just say that they they carry a lot of the risk up front 
you know, they, uh, a lot of these are single proprietors who really have like mortgaged the house just to run a, a fish store and, and, uh, aquarium clubs can represent, uh, uh, collective purchasing sort of opportunities that, that make it difficult to compete, uh, if there is only a, a small pie. But if we do enlarge that pie through education, uh, which is what I hope our club would do, I, you know, that is what the hope is, right? To make people excited about keeping fish. Um, then there's certainly enough uh, room for all of us. And, and that's what I was trying to communicate to these uh, different owners. And I, and I'll be honest, they were all, all very supportive. You, you could possibly hear a little concern about, well, what activities are you going to do um, before they wanted to put their, their full weight behind it. But um, that's only natural. That seems smart. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, if, if, if I were an owner in your area or if I were an owner and a club wanted to, to start up in my area, I would be as close to them as possible um, to nurture and help that growth. Uh, and again, help them, you know, help them expand the pie, not just for my own personal gain, but just for the for the community in, in general. And I think that would, you know, continue to help them be really successful and rise above. So, no, I mean, point, point very, very well taken. And, you know, yeah, you may end up doing, you know, you guys could have been doing animal sacrifices in their back room, you know, so <laughs> I could completely see why they maybe would want to vet you first and, uh, and make sure that you're legit. Yeah. So, yeah. So what and if you're... I, and I walked in with only two years experience. Yeah. So, you know. No, definitely. And so, and that was, that's only about what, eight or nine months ago now, right? Yeah. So, um, we're going to have our ninth meeting here in, uh, in September, the, uh, third Friday of September, we're returning back to our route and uh, holding a meeting at that same store that hosted us. Uh, that'll be our ninth meeting. We won't mention that I got sick one meeting and, and it didn't happen. But um, there's nine as far as, there's nine in my heart, if you will. <laughs> and so um, we've got the, the meetings in the stores. What other venues um, are you going to? Are you going to like your local pizza joint and renting and getting a room in the back there? Um, is it strictly just, you know, your house and other members' homes? W what do the venues look like? Yeah, so um, early on, I, uh, I realized that this was something we could do at our uh, great local library system here in, in uh, Austin. So I've been reserving rooms um, at the local libraries, and we've been having our meetings there, uh, which has worked out great. I think it's a, uh, except for the fact that it limits your time, they are open on the weekends, but, um, and we do typically meet on Saturdays. Uh, I think it's just really great to be in that environment of, of, of learning and community and uh, to be in a public place like that. Now, um, some of our more popular meetings have been the old visit to my fish room, for one. Uh, so we did host at my house, and our most recent meeting was at a, another board member's house, and that, that was a great uh, meeting in itself. And so um, all the different venues have been uh, lucky enough to work for us, and we'll, we'll just see uh, what the future holds. Um, maybe we'll need a bigger venue. Oh, very cool. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I hope you guys need bigger and bigger venues. Um, and on that note, what does your, just over these eight or nine months, what does the club membership growth look like? Well, um, that seems like something I should track, right? But um, I'm a fish guy and not a numbers guy. Um, I can tell you that our uh, our Facebook group, which is extremely organic and um and that our membership's a, a, a 
the, there are members that don't even Facebook, um, has grown to uh, about 450 people. And um, so uh, we probably get a fraction of that out, maybe uh, 20, 30 people a month. But um, to be honest, that uh, sustaining just uh, a core group uh, has been a real accomplishment. Uh, you don't, to my knowledge, have that anywhere else in Texas on a, on a monthly basis. So, um, you know, hopefully we would get to, and I always maintain that you needed at least uh, six people that would be there every time to get a, a club going. And, and we certainly have that. And um, we always see new people coming through. And, and I'm not the best promoter, but hopefully something like this will, will help get the word out. And being in the good graces of someone like uh, Greg Steves uh, really helps. And um, so uh, I'm looking forward to, to the future. Yeah, I would think, you know, being such a new club, being eight or nine months into the life of this club, that having somewhere between 20 and 30 members showing up on a consistent basis, um, whether it's the same members or kind of a rotation, right? That, to me, I would be ecstatic if I were you. And, and I would be so thrilled because um, everything I hear of starting a fish club, and I'm sure this is this is the case in many instances, is that you only get, you know, three or four people for those first few meetings, and it takes a while to build up that momentum um you know but 20 30 people like that sounds like a really really good turnout for a club that is so young um and i can only imagine that you know as uh, as the club matures um and grows you guys will continue to to add to your membership ranks yeah uh, hopefully i mean we'll we'll be certainly getting the word out there and then the ultimate goal would be that it, it would be uh something that won't require as much hands-on for me because it will, will have a, a life of its own. Um, I'm looking forward to those days. I, I want it to, uh, to grow sort of organically and, and become what it will, um, because I want it to really be about the community and not so much uh, about one person's vision. And, and so as far as the governing body of this, uh, of gas, um, you know, right now it's, it's just kind of you as a, as a de facto leader helping to steer this along. When do you guys think you'll start voting on or having officers, um, uh, board members, and, and, and whatnot? So I, um, as any good dictator would, I uh, forced uh, a group of members into a board. So we have actually formed a board. Of, uh, we have a board of five uh, members. Uh, which was pretty, you know, it would have been a vote, but it had to be <laughs> volunteer or voluntold. Um, so I, I worked with uh, five great people. They're, they're supportive. We haven't uh, designated uh, uh, a treasurer, and we haven't had elections yet. I, I try to push them to it, but, you know, um, there's, there's something to be said for, for not organizing too soon, um, although it does limit your capacity perhaps to to raise money and to incorporate, which is both are two things I'd, I'd really like to do as a incorporate as a nonprofit and, and get into some some uh, money, you know, fundraising activity for conservation. Um, it's the the club's not ready for it, and I and I don't think it's fair for me to just say, "Hey, I'm the president, and you're the vice president, and you're the treasurer." So uh, until we see a real need for it or until the other members see a real need for it, we'll remain aboard and uh, I will consult with them and probably make most of the decisions. But 
I, I do want to mention I've had a lot of great help from a, a young fish keeper. His name's Ethan. I'm sure you've seen him on the CARES Facebook pages. He's he's only 20. He's really making a name for himself as a conservationist. Yeah, Ethan is, uh, I've definitely seen him. He is. He's very, very active. Um, and I think, you know, one of these days, if he's willing to come on, I'd love to have him on here just to talk about the work that he's doing as a hobbyist um, and as somebody helping to drive conservation efforts. Um, and it, going back to, you know, kind of taking your time with the club, letting things go uh, organically, if you will, in terms of when you, um, you know, have elections and all of that good stuff. I mean, you it feels like you're very much in uncharted territories in the sense that how many people out there in this hobby can raise their hand and say, yep, I've, I've been a core founding member. I've been there right at the start of a club. Like there may be a lot of us that are members, but I don't think many of us can hold our hands up and say, yes, I have. Um, especially as you go to the East coast and some of these, you know, more established clubs that have been around since the, you know, the thirties and fifties and sixties and so on. Right. Like there's, there's only so many of those people out there that have that experience. So, you know, if you were to try to consult with me, I'd say, shoot, Ricardo, I have no idea if, if people are showing up and they're not pissed off, you must be doing something right. Yeah, and, and a, a lot of it is just playing it by feel, I, and I go back and forth. Uh, there's no guidebook really for this. Um, I do have to give a shout out to, to Florida, the, uh, the Federation of uh, Texas Aquarium Societies, so, which Greg is the president for. Um, I've gotten help from Louisiana, from, from Oklahoma, from Arkansas. Everyone in the region that runs a club from Houston, um, they've been really supportive and and quick to offer me some advice. But, and you know, I'll let you in on a, a secret, like a club like the Hill Country Secret Club uh, exists as a, a communal sort of approach. They don't have a very strong uh, uh, organization. They, they say that it's worked for them that way, and they're going to keep it that way. And some of our East Coast <laughs> brothers and sisters, are, uh, they have very structured uh, clubs. I personally felt that, you know, to make it a real club, I, I needed to go in and, and make sure we had our officers. And, and But if uh, the club doesn't respond to that, then you got to sort of let it, you know, let it grow. Let it become important to to the club. Yeah, I can I can definitely appreciate that. And and so one of the questions I would have then is around the raising of funds to have some some bigger name speakers, you know, one or two a year be able to come out um, and give you know the, their storied presentations, whether it's on the conservation efforts that they've done, um, some wild expeditions, um, or just sharing their general experience of decades and decades in the hobby, right? You know, we, we have, you know, maybe two or three really, really big names, or actually maybe even more this year, um, come to our club and speak locally. And, and that's due in part to our ability to, to fund that through memberships and, um, you know, auction monies and, and, and whatnot. Um, you know, where are you guys at? And I guess, where do you where do you see yourself wanting to be in order to bring those big names in? Yeah, so, I mean, we're, we're right there on the edge looking over. Um, I think that that's really a, a milestone in any club. Uh, I do want to uh, hold auctions, and I think that would be the main sort of fundraising tool that most clubs use. Um, and certainly just your your guest list alone uh, highlights a lot of the people I'd love to have, um, you know, just all 
I could spout off uh, a bunch of names like, you know, Jim Cummings and, and, uh, or Greg Sage or, or, um, even Jose Gonzalez, who I've had the pleasure of meeting. Um, and, uh, there's just a ton of great people. So I really do want to bring those people to Austin and that alone, uh, will necessitate fun, uh, fundraising. Um, what I would say is that, uh, I think Greg was probably our first uh, bigger out-of-town speaker, and I don't mean that in size, so if Greg hears this, don't, don't let him get mad at me. Um, he's, he's, he's proportionate and, um, and a very sweet guy. Um, he was, it, that was an opportunity for my club to really uh, see a professional, uh, someone with real you know, knowledge, not just maybe me uh, talking about my fish room or, or what I thought was... Uh, important but you know seeing someone come from out of town with with many years in the in the hobby and being able to speak from that that place of, of knowledge and and i i they they loved it and i i want them to want more of that but uh we haven't had an aquarium club here and and while i've experienced it going to houston for the aca convention or driving down to san antonio or driving wherever there's a fish convention or show, a lot of people in my club have not experienced that. They don't really know what that's like. So I'm trying to get to that point. Um, I, I think that they're getting a taste for it. And uh, part of education is is teaching them about my heroes in the hobby and uh, and getting them to want to, to hear those people speak. So that probably is, you're right in a sense, that's, where we will need a very uh, strong foundation when it comes to fundraising for speakers. Yeah, and, and I would just caveat my statement with, um, you know, uh, the guest speakers, the big name speakers are awesome, don't get me wrong, but, you know, there, there are always going to be great, amazing speakers that you can have within your own club. Um, but there is a certain mystique, and there is something about when somebody comes from out of town, when you bring somebody that is foreign to your club in to speak, um, it, it does add that level of prestige, of mystique, and excitement, um, and anticipation, and it really makes it a, a more of a to-do event, you know, not knocking anybody local that you have speak, but there is something to that, um, and I think it is something that is just yet one more reason that people would be drawn to it, um, but then also for newer newer people, too, joining your club, and they, and they hear one of these speakers that have these really dialed-in presentations about an expedition or, or something in their experience, it really gives them a perspective on the depth and the breadth of this hobby and just, you know, what it like how deep you can really go in, in the tropical fish keeping and plants or inverts um, that they won't get just by talking to other people in the fish club. And so I think it, it is a really, really cool and special experience when you do get to hear a very big name speak at your club. Yeah, and that that has been the highlight of uh my fish keeping really is getting to hear someone like a, a Dr. Paul Lozell uh, speak on Madagascar killies for an hour, extremely entertaining, very knowledgeable, and just feeding off of that passion. Um, you know, it's like almost every new presentation opens your eyes to a new part of the hobby. And also the great thing about having people come from outside your, your local hobby is that they typically have fish that your your club doesn't. Um, we have a lot of people travel from 
well, uh, I should say the Hill Country Cyclic Club has a, a lot of people travel from out of state uh, to the auctions, and they always bring some really interesting uh, fish, and that alone is a uh, cause of excitement, especially for us fishermen, right? Yeah, I've definitely been a part of, you know, a couple of presentations by guest speakers, and they do bring something from their home collections, which tends to be something exotic that's not readily found in, in your area, so I would completely agree with you on that. So, Ricardo, to, to wrap this up, um, for people that are, you know, either in the process of, you know, maybe they're thinking about starting an aquarium club in their area, uh, maybe they, they've taken their first step and they've had a meeting or two, um, what are maybe five or a couple of, you know, things that, it, in looking back on your journey so far, you wish you would have known from the get-go, um, lessons learned, or just what are, what are your tips for somebody wanting to start out or is kind of already in the, in the very early stages of starting a fish club? Um, you know, there's, there's a couple things, um, things that I might've done differently or could still do better. Uh, one of them is, is advertising your events. Um, I, I think it, uh, you know, it, for me, it sort of feels like if, if I know about an event, then everyone knows about the event. That's just how it feels to me. But you really, it's hard to see the people that you don't come in contact with uh, routinely and those people walking through different stores and, and things like that. So uh, first things first, if you're going to do an event or start a club, make sure you get the word out as widely as possible and don't stick to just one format. Don't just advertise it on Facebook, you know, advertise it on Craigslist, uh, put posters up in your neighborhood, uh, go to all the fish stores, go to find people in different hobbies. You know, uh, a lot of, there's a lot of cloth hobbyism, if you will, from uh, people that are into reptiles. They also like fish, you know, so uh, don't forget about people outside of your inner fish circle when you're trying to get people into a club. So I guess that's one thing. Um, and uh, another thing is, you know, early on, uh, er, don't be afraid to, I guess, uh, to follow your vision. You know, I, we did talk a lot today or this evening uh, about uh, me uh, possibly, I don't want to say placating, that has a, a negative connotation, but um, I did reach out to a lot of fishers. I didn't want to rock the boat locally, right? But um, I think uh, part of it is just be true to your vision and um, and make sure that you uh, express yourself fully and follow through on, on your ideas. And um, if you will, the people, I think almost any town can support an aquarium club. And you just have to scope it to the place that you live in. Uh, even if it's one, two, or three people, uh, be happy that you have that and, and see what you can do to educate each other or you know, even just to, to acknowledge that you got a new fish. Oh, very cool. And so, Ricardo, let's go ahead and leave it then with uh, how can people get a hold of you uh, for the, the fishuation for your, uh, your fish business, um, well, home breeding operation, I guess we should call it, uh, and then also give us some links for the, uh, how we can get uh, plugged into Greater Austin Aquarium Society. Okay, so uh, first and foremost, if you want to ask me about the club or reach me about anything fish-related, I do answer my email, fish at fishuation.com. I think that'll probably be the easiest for people to remember. Um, 
also uh, you can uh, the Creator Austin Aquarium Society has a Facebook group page, which is where I disseminate most of the information about our club, uh, and that's where our community is. Uh, so that uh, that should be uh, I probably should have researched this Facebook dot com slash gas club or groups slash gas club. We might need to re-edit that, but uh, it's a group page and it's gas G A A S club because apparently gas was already taken. Um, and I wanted to have that European feel. Um, and uh, to reach situation, uh, uh, you can email me. I do have a website that I don't think I've tended to in a while. It's fishuation.com, F-I-S-H-U-A-T-I-O-N.com. And I also have a Facebook page where I answer messages, and that should just be, if you search Facebook for fishuation, you should find me. Awesome. And the beautiful that, thing the beautiful thing about the show notes, Ricardo, is that uh, you and I will make sure that we get the correct uh, links and everything dialed in there so people can just right. do a simple click, whether you're listening to this on YouTube or um, whatever pod streaming app, uh, podcast streaming app you're using. Just click and, and you know, plug into one of the, the gas links or, or the fishuation link. So, so we're going to be on all that, like Stitcher, and uh, are you on Podbean? It is, man. Like it's, it it oh. is. The, the podcast is hosted on Podbean, but it's going uh, – it, well, it's actually kind of ridiculous how many different services that <laughs> there are that you have to get your podcast to. Um, somebody needs to uh-huh. work on that. But, yeah, iTunes, Stitcher. Um, I think I recently had the podcast put on – uh spotify so yeah you can actually stream it on huh. spotify which it, apparently, oh. apparently people are doing that um and surprisingly a good number of people just listen to this on their computer on youtube so <laughs> cool so, yeah that's what i was alluding to you really never know how you're going to reach your audience and it may not be a service that you use personally but people are using it and I guess that's marketing 101, and you know that. But, yeah. Um, that's just for people starting the club. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. And on the note of the podcast, I think uh, one of these days I'm going to have to have an announcement that everybody that listens to this podcast through not, uh, not on YouTube, but if they have a YouTube account, they need to go and just subscribe to my podcast YouTube just so I can start monetizing that. So that way I don't have to ever <laughs> ask anybody for money to help me pay for podcast hosting fees because that's the absolute last thing I want to do is directly go out to listeners and say, um, you know, give me money because this is this is something that's supposed to be fun for me. So, yeah, it's uh, it's brutal. I hate raising money to or trying to raise money or take donations just to operate the the club for you know what I come out of pocket for. But um, you know, if you put it out there and people want to uh, support, uh, that that doesn't uh, doesn't reflect on you. Well, the, the the dream is to get like a big company to be like, yeah, man, we'll give you a couple bucks an episode if you go ahead and say this. This is brought to you by such and such. That that'd be the dream because yeah. that's like the least uh, offensive approach, I think. Yeah, I'm sure. Uh, you know, there are uh, some of our um, companies are very active out there in the sponsorships. I, I know that uh, Greg is sponsored by Zoomed, and uh, I see uh, uh, Fluval and, and Search Tropicals and. A lot of different companies out there supporting the hobby, they realize that uh, what we're doing or, or you know, sort of capturing that passion that, that we have, that you and I have for fish keeping is, is uh, it's important to, to be around that. It's infectious, I think. I had no idea that Greg was sponsored by ZooMed. That, that is pretty baller that he is sponsored by yeah. ZooMed. 
Yeah, right? There you go. I wonder if his coworkers know that, right? Because, you know, we all have our normal day jobs that typically are not fish-related. So I wonder if they're like, man, this guy, this dude, like, he's a big deal. And he's sponsored by, like, a pet company. How awesome is that? <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I, I, know. I happen to know where Greg works, uh, but... I don't know, like, I, I don't know what type of conversations. I guess everyone at our respective works uh, at some point knows that we're the fish guy or the fish lady. Like, you can't help but, you know, I share that in my work. I, I work in the public sector, and people know I'm the fish guy. Uh, word gets around because I just can't not talk about it. Even I've, if they don't want to hear it. <laughs> I, I've tried to keep the podcast under wraps. There, there are a few people that know. Um, one coworker in particular was blown away that people would actually even want to listen to me talk to somebody else about fish. <laughs> he just, he still just doesn't get it. The guy's into golf. I'm like, well, dude, you know, you could start a podcast about golf. But he's like, who would want to listen? I'm like, there's thousands of people, <laughs> tens of thousands of people that listen to podcasts on every silly niche subject out there. So um, it's, yeah, I mean, there, there are people listening to this and it's not just like in my home, my area. I mean, we've, we've got a pretty good reach across the country and um, pretty good presence in Canada and Australia and the UK. So thank you to all the listeners out there and everybody else that listens across the country. So um, I hope everybody's enjoyed this episode. And Ricardo, um, I hope this wasn't too painful for you. Definitely glad to have you on and talking about your experiences in the hobby um, and your experiences starting up the Greater Austin Aquarium Society. I kind of feel like a member, you know, that's 1,500 miles away. Like, I already feel like I'm a part of your club, even though I've never actually gone to a meeting. Um, you are a part of our club, Ray. Uh, I'd have to say we, we, open, we accept you with uh, open arms. And uh, it's really, really been an honor to, to speak with you. Um, your podcast has really had a lot of my heroes uh, that I'm very indebted to. Uh, on and I think you're doing a great job with this podcast and I hope I wish you further success I really do and when you know even if I have to listen to uh, commercials about pantyhose before you start uh, we'll be okay how awesome would that be if the only sponsor I could find was pantyhose <laughs> that would... <laughs> legs brought to you oh, by legs oh man that what a yeah what a co-branding opportunity there <laughs> alright Ricardo thank you very much sir you have a wonderful evening all right, you too. Thank you. Take care. Thank you again for listening to the Aquarius Podcast. As always, get involved in your local fish club, help grow this wonderful hobby, and have fun with other fish nerds.